The following show is pre-recorded. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Operations for 820 AM The Word. I have a special guest back in studio again, and she's been here many times before, Rebecca Pratt with Orphan Relief and Rescue. Rebecca, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I was on Facebook, and I saw that you were going to be in town, and so I, I texted you and said, hey, would you come back on Heart of the City and kind of do an update on things that are happening with Orphan Relief and Rescue, and and you said, by all means. So yes. thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so um, I ask you, and we don't do a whole big pre-interview. I don't like to do that because I like to hear the stories fresh. And so I ask you, do you have something to share? And you said, absolutely. We just had uh, something happen a couple of days ago that you want to talk about. So launch, yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. So with the work that we do, we you know, have a huge anti-trafficking um, intervention program in Benin, West Africa. And so we were able to intercept 26 new girls from being sold to the border of Nigeria um, just this week. And um, it's, yeah, it's shocking. So, you know, this is an area where before we came in eight years ago, 20% of all children in the area where we work had been sold before we even got there. This is the voodoo witchcraft capital of the world. The value for life is just not there. Um, like we would, you know, think of a parent and a child relationship when they're in this practice, this religious practice. Um, they just literally don't have value for their children um, like we do in the West. And so once they come to Jesus, though, their whole value system shifts. And that's really what we work hard to just introduce them to this God of love, the parents, and let them know how valuable, you know, the God who created us um, wants us to value our children. So, yeah, so we were able to um, put 26 new girls who were going to be taken to Nigeria um, very soon, and we found that out through just um, the headmasters of the schools. They know which kids are going to be dropping out, Parents already informed them, you know, next week, the, you know, my child's going to Nigeria to work for their own keep and to work for the family is, you know, how they put it. And so, yeah, and these kids don't want to go. They want to stay in school. And they, the ones who have been already in Nigeria and maybe came back for a little stint, um, parents know where their, you know, kid is sold to. And so sometimes they bring them back and then they keep them for a little bit. And then if hardship starts again, then they send them back. And these kids are beat, tortured, used on every level. And it's it's a, a horrible thing. Um, you know, girls are used as domestic slaves in the day and they are used sexually if they're in poverty or in um, puberty and over. They're used at night um, sexually and the boys are used as usually on farms and cotton plantations and different things. Um, so it's more uh, manual labor for the boys. But yeah, shocking. You and I have had this conversation before because we here in this Puget Sound area can't fathom a parent having that kind of a mindset 
do they really know what's happening with their kids or is it they kind of keep it blocked? Is it vague with them that, you know, in their minds they are going to work to go help the family or do they know the kind of abuse that child's going to have? Yeah, you know, it's it's sad to say they do block it out. They don't want to go there in their mind. And it is poverty. I mean, the average wage in these areas are 25 cents a day. So when they sell one child, they literally are getting promised by the trafficker they're getting $100 a year for that child, which is an, a year's wages, you know, for, for some of them. So for them, it's it's a survival mode. And it's something that's been done for hundreds of years in these areas. So they really don't question, you know, um, we were sitting with a social welfare office. Um, this was on um, within the last year. We were doing family tracing um, to a very strict degree because we wanted to make sure every child had a history, you know, on paper mm-hmm. with the social welfare office. And you know, we do hundreds of rescue missions, and so we thought, okay, we really need to start honing this in on paper with the parents dictating to us their history. Whether the parents care about that child or not, we need to do this with the social welfare. So we were in the social welfare office with one of these fathers who had trafficked his daughter, and um, we were able to uh, put her into our safe home after she had been in slavery for two years, tortured on every level. But the social welfare office, um, in the interview, they were asking this man, you know, how much did you initially get for your daughter to to send her to Nigeria and he says I was given $20 and they said what did you use that money for and he said for food and then she asked the daughter she says were you um, beat and you know um, did you get enough to eat she said and the daughter said no I never had enough to eat and I was beat every day and sometimes till she bled and then the social worker asked the father he said did you ever check on your daughter? Because you knew where she was taken. Did you ever check on her? And he said, no. And she said, if you knew your daughter was being beat and used like this, would you have brought her back home? And he said, no. And he literally said that in front of the daughter. Mm. And I was in shock that I'm sitting before a father who literally said, in a sense, that he didn't care. He never checked on her, and if he knew that she was being beat and didn't have enough to eat, would he bring her home? And he said no. So afterwards, I took this girl aside, and I said, I am so sorry you had to listen to all that. You know, for us, we just needed your history, but the social welfare prodded all these extra questions, and I'm sorry you had to hear your father say that. That must have been difficult. And she said, yes, it was. And I said, and sometime down the road, I know right now it's difficult, but sometime down the road, you're going to have to forgive your father for not being the father that God intended him to be. And she says, I know. And I said, but I am not asking you to do that at this moment because this is too fresh. And I says, but you're going to be the one that goes back and makes sure that all your cousins and all of your relatives never go through what you went through. And she said, yes, I will. And that's the reality of where we work. God has to come in and transform these stories into redemption stories because the parents literally are so entrenched and blinded into this voodoo and witchcraft practices. And, 
you know, we are seeing huge revival happen, you know, through our microfinance program with these same parents. Um, but it's a process. And, um, and kids, it's unbelievable what they have had to endure. Well, Rebecca, I always have to prepare myself when you come into studio because uh, I start to weep mm. because, um, you know, the hopelessness of a situation like that without uh, organizations like Orphan Relief and Rescue and really the Lord Jesus coming in mm. through uh, using you, uh, your hands and your feet and your voice uh, to to help rescue these kids that would continue that thing would perpetuate on and on like you said yes. for centuries for yes. for hundreds of years yes and for you to be able to step into those situations and speak words of life and hope mm. to that young girl is an incredible ministry yeah that the lord has privileged you to have yeah yeah, we have amazing staff on the ground who are all Benin locals that just love Jesus. And they are in there just loving on these kids, sharing Christ. Um, they're they're my heroes. I watch them and I'm like, okay, I get to pop in and out. Right. <laughs> and I get to love on these kids, you know, for a couple of weeks and get their beautiful stories of what God is doing. And I see... Um, the hardships, you know, as I ask the stories, and, and of course, God puts me in these situations like at the social welfare office so I can get the real reality of, of what these kids are going through. But, um, yeah, it's people like the people giving, you know, the, your listeners that have given generously to this organization. And then it's the workers, and it's the prayer warriors, and it's this whole body of Christ in action that brings these beautiful stories into existence, and we get to be a part of this. We get to partner with the Lord in this. And I just, I love what God does when God's people just all say yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, and I I sense your mindset, and I'm sure you can address this, uh, you know, you're not the the wealthy white American coming in to save the day. You're going in to help facilitate and maybe provide some structure and some resources for those that are yes. there in country, right? Yes, absolutely. And and to be able to do that, and then to be able to develop those the, those leaders so that they can, um, you know, take the initiative and, and yes. they they can be the the ones uh, the locals in country That's is right. important, isn't it? Yes, yes. And you know, with the social welfare office, the mayors, the chief of the villages, the all the government officials that are in charge in these areas, we really partner with them. We we have dinner with them. We talk about their greatest needs in the area and what can we do to help them help their children and help their families. And they're the ones that literally they're the reason we're in these villages, specific villages doing the anti-trafficking work. It was one of the highest ranking judges in the country that literally sat before me at a dinner and said, Rebecca, you have to get your people into these villages because I'm tired of rescuing hundreds of kids from the border of Nigeria um, who parents in poverty are selling, you know, into slavery. And so it was him that was the reason that we got our anti-trafficking team of locals into these villages just to see an experiment, what we could do to help. And now, eight years later, hundreds of kids have been rescued, 
hundreds of parents gone through our microfinance program to help them um, start a business. Hundreds of parents have come to Jesus. We have traffickers now coming to Jesus. I, I'm just in shock, really. It's like watching a movie of God's faithfulness, really. And, um, yeah. Well, you had mentioned to me uh, earlier uh, as we were talking that you've been able to help um, uh, take about 100 kids off the program. Yes. Because of your microfinance uh, opportunities for the parents. Yes. Talk about that process uh, okay. that, as far as the microfinance and why you do that in order to be able to take the kids off yes. the program. Yeah. So when we intercept a child from being sold or they come back from slavery, we put that child onto a school and feeding program and we help the parents with a microloan so they could start a business. And in that once a week meeting, they are mandatory, you know, they're mandatory meetings that these parents will come to once a week. And they're learning about business uh, for the business that they're starting. And they're learning about this God of love. And that's where many of them are accepting Jesus. And and just their lives are being transformed through this um, knowledge of Jesus and a relationship with the Lord. Um, So then we tell them, you know, our hope is that within two years, we'll be able to take your child off the program because you're going to be able to support that child. And we can put more needy children onto the program. So so we go through every two years, we go through our list and our staff knows exactly, you know, who's on our microfinance program and who's doing very well with their businesses. So this last year, we were able to take off over 100 kids and allow the parents to fully support them into school and feeding them. And so we put another 100-plus kids on to the program to replace them. And this year with COVID, I, I told them, you know, let's cap it at 250. And if you see some desperate situations, you know, definitely let us know. But let's cap it. Let's not be looking for more kids um, to rescue because there's an unlimited amount. And it's it's really always funding. But I kind of – I have this – I I don't know if it's lack of faith, but I kind of go, okay, I think I can realistically with my team, (laughs) my (laughs) staff, Mm -hmm. we could realistically raise the finances for 250 kids a year, which is about $35 a month, $420 a year per child to keep them rescued on our feeding and school program. So in my mind, I'm like, I think I can realistically, you know, with our staff raise this amount. And, um, some people could call that lack of faith or some other practical people will say, well, that's just good business. You know, right. that's, you know, you know what your capacity is. So anyway, these new 26 kids, um, I'm excited that we have somebody who's going to f- sponsor them so that it's not an extra amount that I have to go <laughs> with our staff and try to figure out, okay, Lord, you know, where's this money going to come from? Um, it was already in a sense, um, promised you know for those mm-hmm. girls so mm-hmm. that was beautiful and if any of your list you know listeners want to help us with some kids and rescuing kids you know it is it's 420 dollars a year to take care of a child um once intercepted which is nothing you yeah. know yeah it's, when you're talking 35 dollars a month yeah you know it's a little over a dollar a day you know right. to, to keep a child rescued and yeah so it's beautiful so what's the Lord doing in your own heart regarding mm. this season for many uh, folks that are in nonprofit? Uh, this has been a tough time yes. because of of giving. Yeah. There have been others uh, that I've spoken to where 
um, you know, while it's been difficult, the Lord's continued to provide yeah. through yeah. Uh, faithful giving of, 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 you know, people to, to help the ministry go. Yeah. Yeah. And so how has it been going with Orphan Relief and Rescue in this season? Yeah. So in March, when all the shutdowns started and all my, you know, uh, speaking engagements, all of our fundraisers with Orphan Relief and Rescue was um, shut down, really. I mean, one phone call after the next of, I'm sorry, we're not going to be doing this, you know, because of COVID. I literally, for about a week there, I thought this may be the end of Orphan Relief and Rescue. Um, I'm not sure how God's going to miraculously come through on this one. And I literally, within a week of just praying, I went for a prayer walk and I said, God, do a miraculous thing in front of my eyes this year. And I am actually praying for abundance this year for the kids that we serve. I ask that where they should be hungry because of all the closures and shutdowns, I ask that you would provide an abundance, that they would eat like kings and queens. And what was interesting is people such as yourselves called me that next week, one after the next, and said, hey, we know this is a tough time. We want to do an extra program here. We want to do this. And can we help you? And it was really the body of Christ that rallied together. And just finances kept coming in. And we, you know, where I would normally go and um, speak at a church, you know, be around you know, anywhere from five to 25,000 would usually come in a speaking engagement of people donating or um, different gifts that would come through. And that was all shut down. And it was really the body of Christ in action. People such as yourselves and your listeners and different ones that just says, you know what, we're going to give an extra gift at this time. And they compensated for all of that. And so I just kept watching. And then we had a, a, another organization in Liberia literally call us and say, um, do you need to feed hungry children during this time? And I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> we do. <laughs> All the orphanages we used to feed who are, you know, were self-sufficient because of the programs that we put together for them are now hungry. And they said, okay, how much? Put a budget together. And we did. And they were, they literally, these kids for four months of the major pandemic time between April and July ate like kings and queens like Mm. COVID was their miracle (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't the reverse and I literally go oh my gosh Mm. God answered that prayer yeah and he continues to do the miraculous I don't know where these finances come in I mean I don't know where I do know that where they come in because, you know, obviously we have a database with it. But um, I literally am surprised by where the, the money comes in. And God just continues. And so we do have a little fun. You know, we have a few fundraisers that we've been able to do over the last six months. Um, and so we're starting up those again. But um, but yeah, it's 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 a miraculous thing that God's done this year. Well, you've uh, written a couple of books, and your most recent one, Inspired to Live an Extraordinary Life, even through difficult circumstances. Mm. And that's certainly an example of that, isn't it? Yes, and I was writing that book. I finished that book when COVID happened. When it first started, I felt like the Lord was like, I want you to finish this book. And as I was finishing it, I knew exactly why God wanted me to finish it during COVID. And it was because... We can live an extraordinary life, even when circumstances are difficult. 
because we serve this extraordinary God who uses these ordinary circumstances and ordinary people to do the extraordinary through his Holy Spirit. And as I was writing the miraculous stories of remembrance through this book and just inspiring people in their own lives to know this incredible God that we serve, I was being challenged and encouraged and inspired. And my faith just rose as I was writing these pages. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, gosh, this isn't for others as much as it is for me. (laughs) I need this because I was really... um, yeah, not real encouraged, you know, in those early days of COVID. And um, and my faith just built up and built up and built up as I remembered God's faithfulness once again. Well, I've mentioned on this program before, I've uh, finished a study earlier uh, towards the end of last year, uh, uh, a gal by the name of Ann Voskamp, mm-hmm. and uh, called a, a, thousand, uh, a Thousand Gifts. And her uh, the premise of her book and her study was is that the Lord had challenged her to write and to journal a thousand things that the Lord had done through the course wow. of a year. Wow. And in that is that idea of of learning and abiding in gratitude mm. and recounting his faithfulness yes. in our lives. And really, this is a inspired yes. to live an extraordinary life is that, isn't yes. it? We're We're recounting to to ourselves and to others how god yes. has been faithful yes and out of that comes this uh, this heart of of first of all gratitude that we don't mm-hmm. deserve it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and second of all that we are reminded that uh even in the midst of difficult circumstances that god is faithful always has been faithful and always yes. will be faithful in our absolutely. lives absolutely and wow. uh, and it is it is so true, isn't it? Well, we've got about three minutes. So, wow. what's happening next for you? Yeah. What do you? I, I realize there's still, um, you know, we're not sure about COVID, but yes. but what do you see happening over the course of the next year? Yeah. So in Liberia, we re- restructured things. We're still running our Break the Silence program. We're using partnerships to help us go far and wide with that program, empowering kids to know their rights to against trafficking and against uh, physical and sexual abuse. We're funding the only hotline that is in the country um, that kids can call to get help. Um, We also are still doing child sponsorship pretty heavily, you know, in both Liberia and Benin. So, yeah, if people want to get involved and sponsor a child or if they just want to say, you know what, we want to be a part of rescuing more kids, you know, here's this amount of money or um, we still need funding for the 250 original kids, you know, that... We're feeding every day, and um, we're always looking for you know funding to keep them rescued. So there's many opportunities, but um, yeah, the the book Inspired to Action and um, Inspired to Live an Extraordinary Life, even through difficult circumstances, um, those two books will challenge people, encourage people, and really inspire people in their own walks. And so anyone who wants to you know, learn a little bit more about what we're doing, or they just want to be encouraged in their own walk with the Lord and just see this incredible, miraculous God that we serve. Um, I would really challenge people to to pick up those books. and But yeah, they could go to our website anytime, and that's orphanreliefandrescue.org and um, get all the information they need. But yeah, my, my desire is I just want people to get so excited to serve this crazy, amazing God that we <laughs> get to serve and we're privileged to serve. Well, uh, and that's why I like you to come in and chat 
because I just want people to be encouraged when they hear your story and they hear what the Lord's doing in your life. And you and I have uh, kind of uh, talked about this before. You don't see yourself as anything special. You just see yourself as a normal girl doing uh, extraordinary things Mm. because of what the Lord has asked you to do. And you've done it in obedience. And it's a challenge to me Mm. to, to continue to do the same. You know, and be faithful mm. to the things that God has called us to do, yes. where we are, yes. and to live a generous life. Yes. Rebecca Pratt, Orphan Relief and Rescue, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. If you want to get more information, you can go to orphanreliefandrescue.org. Blessings to you, my friend. Thanks thank for coming you. in today. Thank you for having me. been listening to this 820 AM, the word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word call Chuck Olmstead 206-269-6216 or go to thewordseattle.com.